You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1142 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening. And thank you as always for joining us on the podcast today and also making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today's show, we'll get into what became a pretty frustrating loss for the Hawks at home against Orlando Magic. But the big story of the day, quite honestly, was all of the protocol issues, all of the roster challenges, really on both sides. But obviously, this is a Hawks podcast, so more on the Atlanta side that we'll focus on here. But at the end of the evening, the Hawks had a game that was very winnable. They did not win, which is obviously a little bit frustrating. They've actually lost seven games in a row now at State Farm Arena. That is a wild trend after the way the season started when they were red hot at home and awful on the road. Now it's flipped in a lot of ways. They're 14-16 overall, and uh, I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen this year through 30 games. Obviously, this game was so weird and so sort of not indicative of many things with all the guys that were out for the Hawks, so not too much to like pile on in terms of long-term stuff. But a game that the Hawks could have won and uh, you know, maybe arguably should have won. They were favored in the game, etc. So we'll get into all of this. But essentially, the first half offense was so bad that it was tough to overcome from that point forward. And when they finally got the offense going in the fourth quarter, they couldn't get stops. And there you have it. So we'll get into all of the context stuff now. And that means a lot of protocol talk. If you missed it, on Tuesday I dropped an episode talking about some of the protocol challenges the Hawks were already having. And it got worse on Wednesday um, Trey Young, Clint Capella, and Danilo Gallinari were already in the protocols on Tuesday, plus the absences of injury stuff for DeAndre Hunter and Solomon Hill. So they already had five guys out at the start of the day. Then on Wednesday morning, late morning I should say, Lou Williams and TLC were added to the protocols. That means they already had uh, you know uh, seven guys out, including five in the protocols. And then Kevin Herter, the starting two guard, was added to the protocols about 5.30-ish Eastern time on Wednesday. So with all of that out of the way, they were down, you know, <laughs> eight guys. That's a lot of players to be down in one game. That left the Hawks with 11 active guys, and that includes the two hardship 10-day signings that they brought in in Lance Stevenson and Malcolm Hill, plus all three of Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper, and Skylar Mays, who were back from the G League. So uh, that's a lot to get into, obviously, uh, on the bright side. Bogdanovich returned in this game that he had not played since November 27th, so almost a month ago. Played, played okay, looked like himself for the most part. He was limited in terms of minutes in this contest, but it was good to have him back. Um, and essentially, both guys, by the way, who were limited came off the bench, and that's Bogdanovich and Anyaka Kong was still on a limit as well. So they ended up starting DeLon Wright, Skylar Mays at the two, Cam Reddish, John Collins, and Gorgie Jang in this game. And just for the record, only six guys that were available in this game had played the rotation at any point this year, and that was Collins, Cam, Jang, DeLon Wright, Bogey, and Okongwu. Um, Skylar Mays with his first NBA start in this game. Didn't play a whole lot, actually. They kind of moved away from him, but he started for the first time in his career. And also the first start of the season for Reddish, Wright, and Jang. So that kind of tells you, when you have four guys making their first start of the season in the same game, including one guy making his first career start, that's not going to be uh, the greatest situation in the world. Um, it is worth pointing out, Orlando was missing a lot of guys as well. Cole Anthony and Winokara Jr. were ruled out late in this game, plus they had a ton of guys in the protocols. And honestly, Orlando only had four guys that I would describe to you as full-fledged NBA players available. The Hawks were the more talented and more, I'm using massive air quotes here, more full-strength team of the two. Now the Hawks are missing a ton of guys, as we just talked about. But 
Uh, Orlando's actually had it even worse than the Hawks did. Now, granted, the Magic are worse overall than the Hawks are, and you know they were not missing Trey Young and Clint Capella and Kevin Herter in this game, but they were missing some of their key guys. Cole Anthony's their best player, etc. Um, our friends at Bet Online, who sponsored the podcast, made the Hawks about eight-point favorites uh, in the morning on Wednesday. They actually went down to about six and a half points when Lou and TLC were ruled out. But even with Herter being ruled out, because Orlando was then missing both Anthony and Carter Jr., the Hawks were favored in this game by eight points. And that doesn't mean you're guaranteed anything. Eight-point favorites lose all the time, but that means you're a pretty sizable favorite. The Hawks are like minus 300-ish in this game, which is, you know, they're supposed to win the game 70% of the time, maybe more. So being being at home, being the more talented team, all that stuff, uh, you know, a little bit frustrating in some ways. But still, uh, the big story was kind of just the absence of everybody. And again, as I said yesterday on the podcast, the biggest thing about all the guys in the protocols is that we hope that they are healthy and feeling okay. Trey Young said he's been feeling better and feeling okay. Um, I think still, you know, still the protocols, obviously. So we'll see about Thursday and Saturday. But for now, I want to say that one more time is that we hope that everybody's feeling okay. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay, to the game itself. Um, coming out of the gate, the Hawks scored 10 points in the first four possessions of the game. They actually fed John Collins for the first two trips of the game. He was clearly the best player on the floor on either team in this game in terms of like overall players. Um, but he was a focus early and then not probably not enough of one the rest of the way. Still had a big game in some ways, but probably could have had even more if they had given him the ball more often. Um, Cam Reddish them actually back-to-back threes. And again, 10 points in four possessions, and Cam had a career-best night offensively in terms of his scoring load in this contest, but from there, Orlando had a 14-to-1 run, the first of a couple of different big big pushes in this game from the Magic. A couple of bad turnovers by DeLon Wright, who was not good in the first half in particular of this game. Uh, then Cam got kind of over his skis a little bit, obviously had a big game, but he had a pretty rough stretch uh, in the first half. After the, making the, f- the first two threes of the game, I think Cam was pretty bad for about a quarter, quarter and a half. He was better in the second half for sure, and obviously had a big game, but uh, he was kind of, obviously one of the problems in that run. Um, and had a clear path foul as well. The Hawks had more than four minutes without scoring. Seven empty possessions in a row with some bad turnovers, some bad shooting. Um, rotationally, they brought in a Kong was the first sub for Jang, which makes some sense. Even if he's limited, Kong was one of, the, one of the better players available in this contest. Then they went to Bogdanovich for Skylar Mays pretty quickly after that. And then Lance Stevenson played as the fourth wing in this game. Gave them some okay minutes, I will say, off the bench. Um, and then Sharif Cooper came in as the backup point guard late in the quarter. Uh, Cam had 11 points, uh, actually 9 points, should have been 11. He, he actually had a dunk that was waved off because the Kongwu was called for a moving screen off the ball. Kind of a weird call. And the Kongwu got another foul offensively. And I'm not sure either one of them were fouls. Um, having both of them be called was kind of brutal in some ways. But they actually used Jalen Johnson as the fourth big in this game. They played 10 of the 11 guys that were active um, in this game. And they played it all in the first 10 minutes. And there was kind of a balanced offensive uh, load for some of those guys. Um, still some unfriendly whistle stuff for John Collins, who could not get calls, even as the best player on the floor. Um, Cooper kind of struggled a little bit. Johnson missed his first two free throws, made his second two free throws. But um, probably a little bit too much Lance um, late in the first quarter. But I think, again, he was pretty much okay in this game. Just kind of uh, got overextended a little bit early. Um, despite a late three by Bogdanovich, the Hawks only scored 20 points in the first quarter. Had an 80 offensive rating and seven turnovers. That's obviously a lot for this Hawks team. Um, and there was more of that in the second quarter. So they started Cooper, Reddish, Stevenson, Johnson, and Okongwu in the second quarter because Collins played the entire first. Um, tough to score without Collins and Bogdanovich, especially with his current available uh, available roster. So I would have probably tried to stagger those guys a little bit, but alas, they didn't really do that in this game. Okongwu had some foul trouble. He had three fouls in four minutes. 
They had to go back to Gorgie Jang as a result of that. Actually, had his best stretch. He had five points quickly, but that was kind of all he did in this game offensively. They trailed by nine mid-quarter. Um, again, pretty pretty rough start from Cooper and Johnson, and uh, Cam was struggling a little bit as well at that point in time. Bogdanovich played two shorter bursts, about five and a half minutes at a time in this game. Um, actually had a nice drive and a finish. I thought he probably should have taken the three on that play, but it was good to see him kind of be comfortable enough on the injured leg to go up and finish um, through some contact. But the Hawks just could not score. Um, there was a technical foul on John Collins late in the first half for some frustration. I don't really blame him. It wasn't, wasn't, I would say uh, the friendly whistle was not really there for John as often. Uh, the Hawks were down by 10 at halftime. And honestly, it was genuinely bad. Even given the circumstances, as I said before, missing so many guys, six of their top 11-minute guys from this season did not play in this game. But even with all of that context important, the Hawks scored 37 points on 48 possessions offensively. And that is absolutely dreadful. A 77 offensive rating in the first half. Their lowest scoring half of any kind, either first or second half of the season with 37 points. Previously, the low was 40. And they only, they only scored 17 points in the second quarter. That was the lowest for the second quarter all year long as well. They shot 33% from the floor, which is already bad. But they were 8 of 25 on two-point attempts. Uh, 32% on twos is uh, legendarily bad, let's say even for one half of basketball, and 11 turnovers. Um, that's way above their normal average. They cleaned it up later on, but that was uh, pretty rough for a team that was, by the way, number one in the league in turnover rate this year before tonight. Um, defensively, it was just fine, but offensively, it was not even just results. Obviously, there's some result stuff. Whenever you shoot that badly, there's some shots that you know usually go in that don't go in, but the process was bad, too. Some bad, some bad shot selection, some bad offensive process stuff, like not running sets correctly, not a lot of movement off the ball, etc. It was kind of just a... Uh, a complete mess, let's just say, in the first half. And again, defensively, they held the Magic to under a point, under a point per possession, which is usually going to be enough to give you a lead, but instead they're down by 10. And they honestly got pretty lucky because Orlando was only 4 of 19 on threes in the first half. Uh, it could have been worse, honestly, given how bad the offense was. But uh, it was still competitive, as we'll get into in a second. In the second half, there's plenty to discuss from this game. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Calm. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on the physical fitness aspect, but there's another side of the equation that's just as important, and that is mental fitness. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and Calm has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind and become the champion version of yourself. LeBron and Calm both know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you do not have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Anybody can do it, and they can do it with Calm. Calm can help you train your brain to sleep, help you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best, just like LeBron James. And for LeBron and many others, sleep is a critical part of the mental fitness routine. So if you head to calm.com slash LockedOnNBA, that is calm.com slash LockedOnNBA for a limited time, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain or leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories, meditations, and much more. You can be ready to challenge anything that life has to throw your way. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron and many others in joining and using Calm and getting a 40% discount and a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. Unlock the content that can help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. One more time, that is calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, and the third quarter was kind of an adventure in a lot of ways. It was a run by Orlando, then another run by Atlanta in contrast. So they started Sharif Cooper, actually, in the second half in place of Skylar Mays, kind of shifting DeLon Wright to the two. That didn't last very long because Sharif really struggled in this game. We'll come back to him later on, but he shot an air ball early on, just didn't have much juice offensively. Uh, the Magic scored the first seven points of the half to go up by 17 because the Hawks were one of four with a turnover, had two points in about three and a half minutes. They brought in Mays 
um, they brought in Mason Okongwu actually pretty quickly, um, pretty I would say uh, notably fast. My three minutes in for uh, for Cooper and Jang is pretty rough though. A 16 to six overall push by Orlando go up by 20. So the Hawks were down by 20 points at about the midway point of the third quarter, and they had six points in the first six minutes of the third quarter. They had 43 points in 30 minutes, about 0.75 points per possession, which is like. You know, stuff that you would never imagine, especially against a Orlando defense that was not exactly on a string in this game. It was pretty rough. Um, they made a run, to their credit. Cam was able to get downhill a few times, which is pretty encouraging. Um, probably settled a little bit too much with his jump shot early on, a couple of bad step backs, but some really good stuff when he was attacking the rim um, throughout the game, honestly. And then he kind of keyed a 13-0 run by the Hawks to get the lead back down in single digits. Orlando didn't score for about four and a half minutes, so that they kind of left the door open a little bit, and the Hawks were at least trying to charge through it in that third period. They cut it to six at one point, um, but gave up a second chance three late in the third to put it back up by uh, nine points. But still, given where things had gone, you know, the Hawks won the third quarter by only one point, which is kind of funny because um, it felt like they did a great job. And it's because they were so bad early in the third that they actually did play well in the last like seven minutes of the third quarter. It just didn't matter a whole lot. Um, by the way, at the end of the third quarter, Collins and Reg had, had 41 of the 61 points for the Hawks through three quarters. Um, in the fourth... They had to sit Collins because he had played 32 of the first 36 minutes because they were trying to win this game. They played pretty hard in terms of minute stuff, but Collins had to sit at some point. Um, they actually kept Reddish in, despite he, he actually only played 30 minutes for three quarters as well. But they brought in Cooper and Johnson to open the fourth quarter, try to steal some minutes. It went very badly. An 8-2 to two run by Orlando to go back up by 15 with nine minutes to go. And basically, anytime Collins sat in this game, the results were not good. Um, John was plus seven in what became a six-point loss, and he played 41 minutes. So that means they were minus 13 in the seven minutes without Collins. There's your ball game right there. Um, actually, Delon Wright, who had struggled early in this game offensively, to be sure, scored seven points in a row in the fourth to cut the lead down to 10. Um, they just couldn't get stopped at that point in time. Former Hawks 10-day guy, B.J. Johnson, uh, couldn't miss a shot. He was pretty unconscious at that, at that point in time. And the offense actually came alive for the Hawks, I will say, in the fourth quarter. But they just couldn't get stops either. That's probably their worst defensive stretch of the game was early in the fourth when they kind of just needed to get stops to get back in the game. Franz Wagner hit a back door on Cam Reddish for a three-point play. That was kind of a bad breakdown. And there was a couple of other spots where they just couldn't close out on shooters. And uh, offensive, good <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Defensive, bad in the fourth quarter. Um, they were down 16 with about four minutes to go. It wasn't over because Cam stayed hot. He actually hit 6-3. Got it back down to 10 with like three and a half to go. And they closed with Lance Stevenson because Bogdanovich actually hit his minutes cap at that point in time. But they got the lead down to eight with 241 to go on Cam Reddish free throws. And they got and then they got and they actually got a stop from there. So with the ball down eight with like 230 to go, Cam has a great move actually on the perimeter and just misses a very makeable floater off the back rim. Uh, you know, not criticizing Cam. It was a good it was a good shot. It's one that he's gonna make sometimes and it just didn't it just didn't go in. And then on the other end of the floor, Chumo Kiki hits a corner three, but if you didn't see this live, it bounced, I think, three times off the rim on a corner three to go in. So on one end, the Hawks miss a very makeable floater that would have cut the lead to six. And on the other end, Orlando hits a three that they probably get a roll on like 1% of the time. And it goes from, could have been down by six to up by to down by 11. That's probably the dagger at that point in time. They had it to nine with the ball again, and then Cam had it sort of uh, forced a three and airballed it, and that was the end of that. So... It was still, I believe it was eight or more the entire fourth quarter. 
maybe he got to six at one point um, briefly, but uh, it was not really a close, close game down the stretch. You know, the final possession was actually a buzzer-beating three by the Hawks to lose by six, but really they were down by closer to 10-ish for most of the second half, and uh, there you go on that. Um, in terms of takeaways in this game, you know, the offense was obviously quite poor in this contest. Um, they ended up scoring about a 105 offensive rating, which doesn't seem so bad, but honestly, that's a lot of that was in the fourth quarter. And again, the Hawks had a .75 points per possession rating, so a 75 offensive rating through 30 minutes, which means in the last 18 minutes, they scored very well, but because they were so, so bad in the first two and a half quarters, it just didn't really matter. Um, they shot 41% on twos. That's just brutal. Like, you have to overcome that with hot shooting everywhere else. They just didn't get enough of that. Honestly, they shot 30, 30% from three in this game. That's usually good enough on decent volume, 12 to 31. Uh, got to the line 29 times as well. That's pretty good. That's well above their average. Turnovers, only had 14 in the game. That's not great, but they had 11 in the first half. So three in the second half. So basically, all of their numbers for the game outside of two-point shooting look okay. It's just that the you know if you watch the game, it was way worse than that, and the two-point shooting is just tough to overcome. Offensive glass was good as well. They scored 37 points in the fourth quarter. They actually had five threes through 10 free throws. Played well, but then defensively in the fourth, it broke down. They allowed 34 points to the Magic in the fourth quarter. 10 assists for Orlando in one quarter. And the Hawks pushed hard. It wasn't like they kind of pulled the break in this game because they were losing and they had the back-to-back tomorrow. They actually, I would say, almost pushed too hard in this game given the circumstances and how little guys they have for tomorrow and back-to-back and all that stuff. Cam played 23 minutes in the second half. Collins played 21 minutes in the second half. Wright played 21 minutes in the second half. Those guys got to play tomorrow night in Philly in an early tip-off. That's a pretty tough challenge. But, again, I want to stress, um, in terms of takeaways from this game, there might be some individual stuff for sure um, that, we'll, that we'll hit on in, in, in the next segment. But um, you can't really judge the Hawks as a team for how they played in this game. Uh, they didn't play well offensively, very clearly, but... Um, given that, you know, quite literally more than half the rotation from the last, you know, couple of weeks slash months was out in this game, the Hawks, you know, I'm not going to come on here and tell you that the Hawks, you know, have to be making huge changes and all this stuff. Um, they have to kind of just do some arbitrage right now without Trey and all, without everybody else that's in the protocols. Um, Collins was good, et cetera. We'll get into all that stuff in a second, but it's a frustrating loss for sure. The Hawks were favored and probably should have won this game. And if they had had just anything but a crater in the first half offensively, they would have won. But I have a hard time like getting too mad. Last thing before we get to a break, uh, you know, the NBA right now as a whole is having this issue. So it's not, a, it's not, not a Hawks game issue or a Hawks magic issue, but this is a kind of an unwatchable game for most of it. You have a lot of replacement level players that probably shouldn't be playing NBA minutes tonight. Um, more of them in Orlando actually than Atlanta, but even the guys who, you know, who we know as people that observe the Hawks like Johnson and Cooper are just not very good right now in terms of NBA players. They're very talented. They're good prospects, but they were not good in this game. Skyler May struggled in this game. Uh, Lance Stevenson played a, like a pretty key role on the stretch for the Hawks, fresh off being signed with one shoot-around and no practices. So, And the Magic were playing guys that even as a diehard NBA observer and somebody who covers the whole league, I have probably seen uh, you know very, very little, let's just say, of like Hassani Gravit uh, or Aleem Ford's actually from Atlanta, but I haven't seen a ton of him recently. Um, Hawks legend Admiral Schofield was playing for the Magic in this game off the bench. Made a couple big shots for Orlando, so... Kind of a mess of a game. I don't blame Hawks fans if they tune out of this one. If they didn't, 
Uh, Godspeed to you, and I watched the entire game uh, plus another half watch after the game as well. But uh, hopefully that's a good summary of what transpired if you didn't watch this game, and we'll get into the player stuff in a moment. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march to the College Bowl season and then from there to the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this season and every season. You can head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. To get that bonus, use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive 50% in extra cash on your first deposit. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, and much, much more. In fact, basically everything in the sports world. You can get all of it at betonline.ag and do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this season and every single season after that. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, so don't wait. Take advantage of the offer that we are giving you right now with promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, where the game starts. Today's show is also sponsored by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, and that is Built Bar. It's filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and it's high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. It's delicious, and it's healthy. With so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Well, you have raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie. There are so many different options with Built Bar. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the extra holiday shoppers that are out and about. So if you're just standing in endless shopping lots, Built Bar can give you all that extra something that helps you keep going. Throw one in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. And because it's the season of peace and love, do not bring up your favorite Bilbao flavors at family parties because people are so passionate about their favorite flavors, they'll fight you for it and things can get even out of hand. If you're friends with Santa, we'll tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bars in the stockings this year and with so many flavors that make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. And if you like some of the marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Bilt Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate, and they taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Finally, if you want something to cozy up to with something warm as a holiday secret, you can dip Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa, let it melt a little, give your beverage a nice Built Bar flavor, plus you'll have that nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. And with all of that said, you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. Yes, that's promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Built.com. All right, we'll dive into the players now. And the Hawks played five guys off the bench. The only guy that did not play that was active in this game was Malcolm Hill, the new 10-day hardship waiver signing. No huge surprise there. We'll start with Jalen Johnson, who played the fewest minutes, 11 minutes in this game for Jalen. Um, we saw a little bit of what we like about him, as well as some of the stuff that you are a little bit afraid of right now. If you are a Hawks fan or probably even a Hawks coach, Defensively, it was kind of a mess for Johnson, particularly off the ball. A couple of really bad breakdowns. Offensively, got to the line twice. That was good to see. He took three shots. Um, I don't think he was just like legendarily terrible, but you definitely can kind of see what they're worried about defensively in some ways. And I think, you know, it's very clear at this point, I've said it a number of times, but they think he's a big for sure. He played the four in this game exclusively. He was not going to come in and play the wing at all. And uh, we saw what they have him set up to do, and he struggled in this game. He wasn't, again, not just absolutely terrible, but not a lot to be excited about, um, I, I would say, other than just the raw talent that he had, which is very clear. Sharif Cooper... I thought was probably worse than Jalen, to be honest. Had, it was minus 15 in 12 minutes. That's tough. Those guys played together a couple times. It did not, it did not go very well. Um, Sharif was 0-4 from the floor, 0-2 from three. Had an assist, but had a turnover and was uh, two, two rebounds. Nothing else really going on for him. Uh, in Sharif's minor defense, I don't really understand why you would play him and not give him the ball. And I, I guess to be fair... He was not very good when he had the ball in this game, but they kind of ran a lot of stuff through Lance Stevenson and even Cam Reddish. 
while Sharif was on the game, and I don't really understand that because Sharif's you know primary, really central value right now as a rookie point guard would be for his ball handling, creation, passing, etc. Him being off the ball doesn't really do much for you offensively, and then defensively, he's actually pretty pesky, but not like he's going to be a huge game changer defensively either. So um, it was a weird usage, weird game plan stuff, but also Sharif did struggle pretty badly, and it's a reminder that rookie point guards are not good. I was very high on the draft pick of Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson, to be fair. I love those picks. I gave that an A draft. I loved it. But um, rookies are not good, generally. And in this game, again, they were playing a pretty bad opponent, like almost a G League caliber opponent in this game, and both guys really struggled. So um, it's one night, nothing to be terribly uh, worried about for either one of them, but it's a pretty uh, grim reminder of how much they could struggle if they were going to play more. And honestly, if you wanted to see more of Sharif and Jalen when everybody else is uh, available and healthy, this probably isn't the greatest night for that because uh, I'm sure uh, Nate's going to have some some nitpicks to have with those guys on film. Um, elsewhere, Lance Stevenson, I thought was okay. It was very Lance. Um, I didn't love that signing for all kinds of reasons, but um, defensively he was pretty good in this game. You know, he is big and physical, and he's a vet. He kind of knows where to be defensively. Um, he has some breakdowns, but I think you know his physicality was good. Eight rebounds at 23 minutes. Had five assists as well. He is a good passer. Um, what he's not, what he's not though, is a good scorer slash shooter. Like he kind of has to have the ball in his hands, but can't really score a whole lot, which has kind of always been his problem. Um, but you know, given that he didn't have a, a practice, he had one shoot around. He gave them adequate minutes off the bench. I thought he was uh, at least made some nice plays. He closed for them because Bogdanovich was unavailable, and uh, obviously they put him ahead of Mays. You know, Nate having a relationship with uh, with Lance dating back to Indiana was very clear. He kind of referenced him pretty casually after the game um, in his press conference comments. So it wouldn't surprise me if Lance like maybe even started tomorrow. Uh, I don't think I w- I wouldn't do that necessarily, but it wouldn't surprise me because they do go back and uh, Lance. Uh, at least he seemed to let, Nate seemed like what they get what they got from Lance in this game. I thought he was okay. He was probably better than I thought that I would have thought given that he. He did not practice at all, and he was 0-4 from the floor, but other than that, he was a genuine, uh, decent, like, positive in this game. Akongwu uh, was good when he was able to stay on the floor. Uh, had 8 points, 7 rebounds, 3 blocks in 19 minutes, um, but had 5 fouls in 19 minutes. And actually, I think he had 4 fouls in 9 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, so that's a problem in some respects, but when he played, he was good. Defensively, he was quite good. He was active. You love what you see that from Akongwu. You know, he's still limited minutes-wise, but in this game, it wouldn't even matter because he couldn't stay on the floor, but was plus 12. Obviously, there's some noise in there. It wasn't just all him, but I thought he was good when he played. He just got to stay out of foul trouble. That's a young big man in a lot of ways. Um, and, and rewatching the game after the game, I heard Bob Rathbun and the broadcast talking about, you know, Kongu's got to get used to not playing like it's the playoffs. It's probably a good point, honestly, because Kongu had that long absence last year and came back down the stretch and in the playoffs, and you're able to play a lot more physically in the playoffs. I'm not sure if he's adjusted back to that or not, but I thought he was good when he played. Um, and then finally, Bogdanovich did not shoot it well in this game. Two of nine from the from the floor, one of five from three. But it's very clear what you know what he does offensively, even when he's not making shots. Six points in 22 minutes. Had two steals though, two assists and two rebounds. But the spacing he provides, the threat that he provides, was huge. Um, you could convince me that the Hawks would have won this game if he had a uh, normal workload. Obviously, he hasn't played in a month, so I'm not criticizing not having him play more because. In fact, Nate said the restriction on Bogdanovich was actually between 16 and 20 minutes, and he played 22 minutes. So he actually went over, and they said they tried to keep him under that, but um, I'm sure there was some temptation to play him more because uh, you know the, things just went better with him playing. He's obviously quite a bit better than all the other guards in this game. Um, he is very clearly, at least on the floor in this game, the second-best perimeter guy, um, you know, always of, of the guards you know, behind Collins and Reddish had a good game as well, but 
if you had to group the guys of you know Bogdanovich versus Wright or Mays or Stevenson or Cooper, Bogey's a lot better player than those guys. So, um, you know, the plus minus stuff is actually interesting in this game. Lance and Bogdanovich and Akongwu and Collins were all plus seven or better, and the Wright was plus two. Um, but the reddish Jang Mays Johnson Cooper minutes didn't go very well. So. Um, all things, all things considered, Bogey had a. I mean, I thought he looked fine. The shots will fall for him. I'm not really worried about that at all. And I think it was good to just have him back. And it comes at a great time because if they didn't have him in this game, it would have been even uglier in a lot of ways. Um, to the starters in this contest, Skyler Mays only played nine minutes. I don't really know what happened there because they started him, which I, I thought was at least you know a reasonable decision because again, Bogdanovich was going to be limited. If you told me he was going to be limited at 16, 20 minutes, you can't. You kind of can't start that guy, um, which is what I'm sure Nate was doing and not starting him. But then Mace played nine minutes, which I don't really understand that. Like, and then he started Cooper in the second half, but only kept him on a short leash. It was weird. I'm not really sure what's going on there. I thought Skyler wasn't like doing anything hugely positive, but he just kind of didn't have a chance to get his feet wet at all in this game either. Um, Gorgie Jam played 23 minutes. I thought he was pretty bad, honestly, and I'm not someone who's going to criticize Gorgie for a reason. I think he's had some nice moments this year, but aside from a stretch where he had five points in like 40 seconds, he was pretty terrible the rest of the game. Minus 23. Defensively, it was kind of night and day versus when Kong was out there. Um, you know, Gorgie's going to have to play minutes right now because of all the guys that, that they don't have, but, uh, you know, it's kind of rough. Same thing, by the way, with the Kong Wu not starting. I think that Nate, if he had a Kong Wu on a full, you know, 30-plus minute um, allotment, We'll probably start Okongwu, but right now he's not quite there yet, so we'll see. And then the three guys who played a ton of minutes in this game were DeLon Wright, Cam Reddish, and John Collins. I will start with Wright, who had the least impressive game, but had nine points, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals, four turnovers for DeLon. Was plus two in 39 minutes, four of eight from the floor, one of one of two from three. Um, I am a fan of DeLon in terms of what he does, like in terms of little stuff. He was very bad offensively in the first quarter and was definitely part of the problem in the first, sorry, first half. Um... He was better in the second half for sure, was more assertive, took, I think, six shots after halftime. I, I think the, one of the biggest problems, I'm not the only one, one of the biggest problems with, with Wright right now is that he's so passive. Like, he has a career-low usage rate this season. I'm not really sure why that is. He's never been the biggest creator in the world, but if you go back and look at him, both on film and on the stat sheet from previous seasons, he's having his worst offensive season of his career, and part of that, at least in my mind, is that he's just being so much less aggressive. So we'll see. I thought he found it a little bit in the second half. Maybe that'll give him some confidence. And he had that stretch where he actually scored seven straight points for the Hawks. But um, good ball movement in some ways as well. Good defense as usual from DeLon. But um, there's a reason why the Hawks don't like to have him be the primary slash only ball handler. It's not really his best suit. Like, obviously, he's better with other guys that can handle the ball a little bit. But right now, they got to play him a lot. And he played, uh, I thought, pretty well in the second half. First half, not so much. Um, And then Reddish and Collins. So... We'll go to Reddish now, a career high for Cam Reddish, 34 points. Um, I don't even know what to make of that. That's obviously a lot of points. He took a lot of shots. He was their number one option for sure in terms of you know ball handling responsibilities and shot creation stuff. Minus 18, um, that's kind of unfair to Cam, I think. He was asked to bridge the second unit and play with some guys that were not going to help him much at all. I do think that he probably wasn't as good as 34 points makes it sound. If you didn't watch this game, you just saw 34 points for Cam Reddish, you might say, oh my God, he went crazy, which he did in some ways. Um... Five rebounds, four assists, two blocks, by the way, one monster block. Um, and he was reasonably efficient. Not crazy efficient, but pretty pretty good. Um, what helped him the most, obviously, was six of ten from three. And if you look at it, it's been a theme of his entire career, in particular this season. He's shooting great on catch-and-shoot threes. He's been awesome when he's in rhythm. Even on the ones where he dribbles into it, but he's like it's more of a walk-up three, he's good at those two. It's the step-backs and it's every, uh, the other stuff that he kind of struggles off, off, off the dribble, but... 
He made a lot of threes in this game. That's definitely helpful. Five of 13 on twos is not great, but got to the line eight times. That definitely helps you with your um, overall efficiency. I thought Cam made a bunch of big shots, and he was asked to be and kind of had to be their primary perimeter guy um, for large stretches of this game. So a tough spot in a lot of ways, and he responds to 34 points. You can't criticize that whatsoever. Um, I think that he had a pretty bad stretch for like a quarter in the first half, but was good in the second half, like actually good, capital G good after halftime. So um, no complaints there. Obviously, you know, high-profile spot for him to be kind of the go-to guy, quote-unquote, on the perimeter. I did a pretty good job with that. Shot selection still was like leaves some stuff to be desired in some respects, but I thought it was a good, I would say, a pretty good game overall for Cam. Um, and the shoot, and the shot making speaks for itself. Hitting six threes in a game, that's actually tied his career high as well to go along with the points. So um, good stuff from Cam. We'll see if he can follow it up on Thursday. And if nothing changes, it's probably going to be a similar kind of uh, role for Reddish, for Wright, for Collins, kind of having to do a lot of stuff unless somebody comes back or something like that unexpectedly from the protocols. And then Collins was their best player in this game. 28 points, 11 rebounds, 2 blocks, 2 assists, plus 7 in 41 minutes. Um, as usual, my one complaint would be that he wasn't involved enough offensively. And they started out giving him the ball intentionally, I thought. First two trips of the game, he goes he goes down and scores. And kind of weirdly, they, get, they went away from him in some respects. But, you know, efficient, effective, productive, good defense. Uh, Collins was awesome. And the best player on the, on the floor in this game, honestly, overall. But 9 of 17 from the floor, 3 of 5 on threes, 7 at the free throw line. What can you say that I haven't said about John already? But, um, you know, again, they were minus 13 in the f- 7 minutes without John Collins in this game. Um, there is a little bit of concern, but let's sort of look ahead to Thursday, about workload stuff. Um, not too much. These guys are young. But um, the Hawks do play a back-to-back with a 7 o'clock tip-off in Philadelphia on Thursday. Um, Philly, by the way, has actually has a, a rest advantage in addition to home court. They did not play tonight. Um, they're missing four guys in the protocols as well. None of their best players right now. Again, all of this stuff is very fluid. But no Andre Drummond, Shake Milton, Danny Green, or or, Gord, uh, or George Niang in this game. Plus Ben Simmons is still out for Philadelphia. But I will say this: the Hawks will be underdogs, barring some significant changes to the injury report. We'll see if that happens. But if things stand up right now as they are with the Hawks guys in the protocol and Philly in the protocol, um, the Hawks with a rest disadvantage uh, on the road, etc. It's a tough task, let's just say, on Thursday. It's not impossible to win, but it's a tough one for sure. And last thing, I mentioned this before, Wes Awundu is reportedly going to sign with the Hawks on Thursday and join them in Philadelphia. A 6'6'4 from Kansas State, 27 years old. That's a good signing, I think, You know, given the circumstances of who they had to choose from. You know, Him and Malcolm Hill, I'm not sure if either one of them will play on Thursday, but Awundu has been an NBA player before, actually played for Orlando at one point, as well as uh, both in New Orleans and Dallas last year. Not a shooter, but a pretty good athlete, decent defender, um, a guy who can give you some spot minutes, a veteran for sure. But um, the Hawks had to sign a third guy. They don't have to go beyond that, but because they have more than more than three, four guys in the protocols, they actually could sign as many as six because they have six guys in the protocols. I'm not sure if they're going to do that, but for now, it's only been reported that it'll be a Wundu. He'll join them, and that, that will give them a 12th active player, presumably, unless something changes between now and Thursday. And as always right now, I would recommend um, keeping up to date on Twitter or the uh, some of the live stuff because a lot is changing on a daily basis in the NBA. So that'll do it for today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show. Um, follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. And we'll have a new podcast uh, after the game on Thursday. Hopefully the game happens in Philadelphia. Uh, that's always the concern right now. And then, of course, the Hawks play on Saturday in New York, a noon tip-off. And uh, with all the protocol stuff, 
it's going to be a challenge. You know, the NBA is pressing ahead, but uh, there is definitely a real possibility, maybe even likelihood, that the Hawks have to play on Christmas Day for the first time since 1989, and, they do, and they'll do so without a bunch of guys. So we'll keep that up to date between now and then, but keep that in mind. They have one more game between then, uh, between now and then, and it's Thursday night in Philadelphia. So we'll see you after the game on Thursday night. Until then, we'll see you next time.